I think we like to think we were entrepreneurs, but mm. we weren't. We were designers and we were problem solvers. We weren't, we weren't entrepreneurs. So we found ourselves in a place where we were doing all of those things that we hadn't been trained to do, didn't particularly get a great deal of joy out, but they weren't things that really kind of lit our fires. Before long, I'd, I'd, I'd kind of let go of an awful lot of the creative process, which is why I set this thing up in the first place. You know, there's no question that, of course, we want to grow, don't we? We want to earn more money. We want a bigger clients. We want bigger projects. We want, um, you know, a bigger team, don't we? And, and it was never, I don't know how much we, we ever even questioned that. That was just the unconscious invite. You know, a lot of the money coaching stuff that I do now, people don't stop and think, well, how much is enough? Hi, I'm Carlos, co-founder of the Happy Startup School, and welcome to our Happy Startup Community Podcast. Along this journey of building the Happy Startup School, I've had the privilege of meeting amazing people from around the world. Whether it was across a banqueting table at our summer camp festival, or sat at a beach cafe in Goa during one of our retreats, each of them had fascinating stories to tell and interesting ideas to share that have changed how I look at business and life. This podcast is my effort to share these conversations with you and to open up your horizons to new perspectives and ways of viewing the world. I hope that they become a source of inspiration, learning and connection. Enjoy. In this episode of the podcast, I talk to Rob Day about the traps and pitfalls of founding an agency business. When Lawrence and I started our digital agency back in 2004, we didn't have a business plan or exit strategy. We just enjoyed the, doing the work and wanted to continue doing it and get paid. We grew organically, taking people on when we couldn't handle the workload. Over time, we got more work and therefore needed more staff, which meant finding more work to keep the staff happy and paid. We then did less of the work we enjoyed, i.e. designing and coding and did more of the work we didn't enjoy, or had never been trained for, such as management and sales. Without a clear vision for the business, and for ourselves, we spent more time in the doing, and less time in the being. We felt that we needed to become a well-respected agency doing innovative work, but we didn't know what that meant for us individually, and also what it meant for the future. Who wants to think about exit strategy when you're doing work you love? Who can think of an exit strategy when you're too busy trying to feed the beast? And why even think of an exit? If there's a need to exit, why did we start the business in the first place? If this story sounds familiar to you, then you relate to this conversation with Rob, co-founder of Liquid Light, a digital agency based in Brighton. Amongst other things, he now coaches agency founders by sharing his knowledge and awareness of the hidden traps and pitfalls of founding a service-based business. If you're early in your journey, then you'll learn what to look out for as you grow your business. If you're a seasoned agency founder, you'll probably nod your head in agreement and maybe be inspired to look at your work differently. Enjoy. I co-founded an agency, a digital web agency, um, over 20 years ago. Um, And I ran that with with a a sort of co-founder business partner. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was basically how I defined pretty much everything in my life for the last two decades. 
um, and uh, there was a lot of good things about it. There was definitely a lot of um, shit things about it as well. So, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I think anyone who's owned or run an agency can probably identify with some of that. How did it start? What was you know? What was the yeah? What was the instigating moment, or you know, how did you guys come together? Yeah, how the fuck did we get to where we were? Uh, so, um, well, I, I mean, it was actually, I think I went through a fairly traditional role. You've got to put in context that the internet didn't exist um, when we set up. It was um, very much what, what was known as interactive media. Um, I trained as a traditional graphic designer um, in London and in Brighton. And, and um, my first few jobs were in London helping... Um, traditional design and brand agencies to set up their own in-house uh, sort of interactive departments. They needed to find people who could code and design and understand the media, which, which to date had only been uh, a, a kind of, uh, there, was, there was no interaction. It, it, everything just followed page after page. So, so the notion of someone having to interact with an interface and and, and choose what content to read in whatever sort of order it was, was, was really quite a mind boggle for, for many designers to get their head around. So that was my, my first kind of foray into that. And whilst we were doing that, whilst I was doing that, I started taking on a lot of freelance work. Um, and doing that freelance work, I met a lot of other freelancers and interesting people sort of finding their skills. And I got more freelance work than I could deal with on my own. So that was a very natural kind of step to kind of go, do you know what, I think I probably need to team up with someone who I trust um, to sort of fill the gaps and hold, hold, hold the can as well. Um, and after a few projects of working like that, we thought, you know, maybe it's worth doing something a little bit more sort of like an agency thing. So, so that's literally what we did. We hired a house. Um, moved in, turned the back room into an office and started running out that out of a little place in Stenny. Wow. So you, you both moved in together? Yeah. I mean, it, the, my business partner um, was expecting a baby with his, with his partner. Um, they wanted to get out of London. We were both sort of uh, in central London. And it made, seemed like a good idea to try and get out of London um, we thought we could commute up to London to do the jobs that I was doing and, and carry on doing the freelance work. So it was a kind of lifestyle shift as well as a, a kind of let's take, you know, stop working for other people and do it for ourselves. Cool. And so yeah. how did you, you, how did you first meet then with your co-founder? It was purely on a project or? Were sheer you chance. It was sheer chance. So, so I was moving into an apartment in London and he and his partner were moving out and, and he had a Mac computer in the corner of his room and, and a conversation struck from that. In those days, it wasn't that common to see someone with an Apple Mac. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we were able to geek out a bit and then we just <laughs> caught up a few times socially and then, and then realized that, you know, we could help each other out on projects. So, so that's really, that was, it was that easy, really. Wow. And, uh, and then you, there's this image, okay, of, of running a business from a back bedroom. Um, when did it start getting serious? <laughs> it was really, it was, it was really quite, in those days, I think there was a real rush on, to find anyone who could do this stuff. There, there was definitely a skill shortage. I know there always has been, but there was a real skill shortage then. 
So we were, we were well placed to, to be able to um, just get the work in. You know, large agencies, all, all the big London agencies were desperate to get anyone who could do the work that their clients were asking of them. Um, so, so we were able to, to grow really quite naturally and, and quickly. So it wasn't long, probably after a year, we, we, we got our first studio in, in Central Brighton and started uh, working out of that. And so you were at that time kind of outsourced, taking work that was outsourced from London agencies? Is that how it worked? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's how it came through. We, we, we had the London agency connections. Um, people, you know, we were essentially sort of doing, doing the, the sort of backroom work. No one really knew who we were. And then we got a big break, IBM. Um, not IBM, Microsoft got in touch. They're just launching this strange thing called MSN, which no one had heard of, but they basically decided, oh shit, we'd better do something with this internet stuff. <laughs> and MSN was their kind of first foray into that, where they tried to sort of create their own sort of browser and content and, and things like that. So, so we launched the first CD-ROM on millions of magazines all around, all around the country. And, and we kind of did that first sort of, cd-rom mailer that was fully interactive that explained what the service was and and it was good it was fun it, it was a really good piece of work we were very pleased with it but it obviously also got us a bit of spotlight and and um and uh, a reputation and that sounded like quite a solid client to have that were they a client for a while or was it like a single project most of it was project after project not, not with them but uh, it just work kind of steamrolled from there really so so we yeah it, 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 i don't think we had a, a constant client base at that point it was more it was more about you know everything that was coming through every project was new client was new there was there, we were making up as we were going along and definitely flying by the seat of our pants <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there were no defined processes there there was no right or wrong way of doing this no one was talking about ux or or or, or anything you know it was just like is it physically possible to do something can we get a video to play can someone click on this can you download some software so it's very much about what's possible um and how do you make it easy enough for, for people who don't use this day-to-day -to, -day to be able to to interact with it and I guess that was really, you know, we, we cut our teeth on, on user interface and user experience at a very, very early stage, primarily because people just didn't know what it was. You know, no one had ever clicked on a CD-ROM interface before. You know, they hadn't seen websites. So, so, so this whole stuff was, was very new and we we're at that point where we we're kind of, okay, we have to really work this stuff out. And, and it, was, it was just trial and error, really. And it sounds like exciting times and the creative times. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we were doing it because we loved to geek out and, and make stuff that was innovative, that was no one had seen before. I mean, if you tried to explain what we did, people just glazed over. It was like trying to explain crypto to, to someone. You know, <laughs> it was like, you might as well come from another planet. No one got it. And, and within a space of a few years, every man and his dog was a website designer. But in, in those early days, it was, it was really like, yeah, it felt very cutting edge. Um, we were really having to just, just learn every bit of software under the sun. But there was a real, you know, design aesthetic. There was a real um, element of really trying to help people understand how, how this stuff works. It wasn't just about making something look pretty. We were trying to get people to, to, you know, have a great experience. 
So it sounded, it sounded quite purposeful in that sense. Uh, I don't think I, I can't make it as grand as that. <laughs> no, no, we we were just, you know, with how lucky were we that we'd found a job that paid good money, being geeks and creative. Um, you know, that was quite unheard of, um, and and so we we were kind of having our cake and eat it really. So so you know, we we were we were playing. Mm. It felt like play. It felt like adventure. It felt like we were just doing stuff to see if it could be done but people were paying us to do it so so at that point you know i think that was the driving force that creativity and and excitement and doing new stuff and and the fact that we were actually commercially rocking it you know um not by any complete you know business genius we just happened to be in the right place at the right time i think that sounds like you know lovely days where where work just seemed like play it was. I mean, we, we, we were young, so we had the energy to, to do all-nighters and didn't mind because we had a deadline and we could, you know, we were, we were just burning the midnight oil because we had the energy and the desire and the drive to make it work. Um, so, so the hours and the, and the energy lost were, were, were worth it. Um, so, yeah, it was fun. They were fun days. It's very easy to see now, but we, you know, we were winging it. We, you know, we, we were fresh out of art college and, and we had no business now whatsoever. So, so the fact that people were paying us to do it was great, but, but there, were, there were no kind of big strategies or ideas about how we were doing it. It was hand to mouth. It was just like, great, we've got more work on, let's do it with that. Or, or we need some extra hands on deck, we'll do it with that. So it was very reactionary. There was no... Um, you know kind of big plan around it because we didn't even know where the industry was going there wasn't really an industry to speak of it was it was, it was just forming very sort of uh, quickly around us but yeah so so we we were just um responding and reacting to to the environment that we were in um and yeah and you say there was no big plan, uh, assuming that's really for the business and where it was going to go. Had you had any thoughts about yourself and where you could see yourself in the future and that level? No, I mean, we, we were young, hey. We, we were in our early 20s. So, so, so it was, you know, I think we were just straight, as we were fresh out of college, it was one, amazing that we were earning money and, and, and two, you know, we we couldn't see beyond our nose really it was like well if we were earning earning the money and we can put a roof above our heads uh, you know our partner had 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 a kid by then starting to grow a family um we weren't being particularly selective over our clients over the sectors that we were working in um there was no there was no kind of you know obviously we were trying to keep our you know keep everything running and and you know, trying to be business-like, but no one had trained us in this. We had no skills. We'd not done an MBA. No one was saying, what, so what's your business plan? We, we didn't know what that was. So we were just, you know, just responding and, and reacting to whatever wave came along, really. And then, so at which point did you start to think more like a business person rather than or did you ever switch to thinking well i think i think the naivety you know i think we were quite happily naive sort of rocking it and doing late nights and and doing all of that kind of stuff doing the work we wanted and and then a chance encounter came we were working out of 
uh, a building in Brighton that was kind of one of the early early kind of co-working spaces really it was it was sort of shared offices and and um, so there were other companies in in the same building and there are a few doing sort of similar stuff not exactly the same but sort of similar um, and we met a design company who we thought were doing really really nice design work um, not quite as much interactive work but they, they were they were doing their own thing really interestingly and, and we seem to have a lot in common so so we started to again a bit like how I met Finn we started to um, just do projects together sort of uh, cooperate with each other and see how we got on and and very quickly we started thinking oh this is good what what how could this work and and um far quicker than we should have done it <laughs> we <laughs> thought oh, this would be a great idea to merge so so we did we we kind of let's let's get an office together and do all of this we need we needed extra hands on deck there were some three or four smart guys in that company so we thought great they seemed more established they were more of a traditional business you know in terms of they've got the bookkeeper and all of that stuff and and, and we were still in, in an earlier stage to that so i think there, there was a, a a very quick growing up process in that when when we kind of um, merged businesses and created a new new entity out of that um and it it, it was it it definitely made everything far more serious and so at that point is that when because the business was, is that when Liquid Light started or were you Liquid Light before? Uh, no, we were Liquid Light originally. Um, that was our first first business. But when we merged with this other company, we, we became a business called Fahrenheit 451. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, yeah, it, 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 it was a bad idea. <laughs> what can I say? It, it was a bad idea. It didn't work. We went in there very naively. Um, we hadn't clocked anything from values to to just business processes. Um, we just had a very different outlook on life, and it was too late by the time we'd kind of got into bed with them that, that we went, "Oh gosh, this is this is this isn't so good." And the 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 owners of the other business were were bickering amongst themselves, and there was clearly some bad blood that we didn't realise. Um, the clients that they kind of brought on were really big and quite scary and and you know you know ones i don't know i mean we didn't have a, a a kind of massive moral compass at the time but some of the clients they were working with were some would we really work with those i'm not so sure so, <laughs> so we just realized that actually that some of the some of the values that we had with some of the people in the business were not aligned um and we were coming from very different spaces um and so it wasn't long before we realized one we were very top heavy because everyone's a director um and very few staff we had about two three full-time employees and <laughs> and twice as many directors which which isn't a great great sign for for that but so so we, we we pulled ourselves apart again some people left and went freelance um it got quite litigious unfortunately um and and so that's that was the kind of start of everything getting a little bit serious um and and stressful i guess um because we, we were having to deal with stuff that wasn't about the work we were dealing with stuff that was all about the the running of the business um but not the nice stuff of running a business um so so yeah that that, that was definitely the the kind of um wake up process and so you then shifted yourself and Finn shifted back to becoming liquid light 
Is yeah, that- we we kind of we kind of just sort of said, okay, well, what have we got? What did we have? We we kind of we stayed in the offices. We we kept hold of some of the clients. We kept we we kept looking after the team, um, and and so so you know we tried to just sort of make best out of out of what the situation was, and it was absolutely booming out out there. Agencies were being taken over and acquired left, right, and centre. It was it was it was the gold rush at that time so it was kind of very exciting to see everything going on it was the classic boo.com and all of that kind of stuff going on um but at the same time we were just keeping our heads down we didn't really want to be involved in that we just wanted to get on with the work and steady the ship really um and we did a really good job of it actually i think that whole process of of, of the split um and uh you know, sort of taking on a bigger business, just back to the two of us. We, we, we grew up a lot in that process and we turned it into a really quite serious outfit and we were, we were kind of rocking it in, in, in lots of good ways in terms of we had a good team, we, we were doing really good work, we were winning awards, we'd kind of matured into a, a proper agency by that point. And so that experience of becoming this top-heavy organisation and the serious clients that you were exposed to there. And it sounds like also exposed to these processes and more grown up approach to business. Is that something that then you, um, how to put it, it, it shifted your mindset and how, as to how a business could be run as opposed yeah, I mean, to, I mean, we, 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 we just grew up. It was out of necessity, really. We, you know, we had mouths to feed. We, we were responsible for bigger clients bigger projects and a team of people um, and we were proud of what we'd built we wanted it to do well um, and so there was a process of of us sort of um, kind of taking on that responsibility of of being business owners rather than just you know kind of freelancers who chose to work together it was it was now a business um, and, and that had a whole different sort of plethora of roles and responsibilities that I guess when we started, we just, you know, we were just getting on with the work ourselves. And so there's this, this transition mm. of going from what I heard before was work as play mm. to then something that's a bit more serious or a bit more grown up, as you said, you know, a bit yeah. more responsibility. Mm. Um, you also mentioned before, you know, there was no big business plan previously. No. Um, now you're in this environment where, the work is coming in. It sounds like you know you're 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 still um, and you said you were winning awards, so you know you're mm. doing really good work. Um, but there's no, there was still no clear vision for what the business was going to be or what you wanted it to be. No, we 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 were still really responding to the environment we were in. You know, it was it was we had we had this live live animal that that we were trying to. Uh, you know, tame, I guess, you know, that we weren't having to, you know, rack our brains to find the work. There was lots of work out there, especially in, in, in the boom. So, so it was more about, well, how, how do we just find more people to help us with the work? How do we, um, uh, you know, sort of manage with the workloads and keep the clients happy? There, there wasn't really much time for anything else. And we did start to engage with some of the, the kind of, um, 
external kind of uh, services that were there. There was a thing called uh, Business Link at the time. Um, Sussex Enterprise was another thing. Um, so there were some really good kind of business consultants out there that we started to dip our toe in, but it was, it, it, it felt very periphery. You know, they were starting to go heavy thought about business plans and exit strategies and budgets and things and, and having a board or, or whatever and doing board meetings. And the answer was no, we'd never thought of any of that. Um, and, and it was like, well, we're, we're doing what we're doing. It's kind of working, isn't it? We, you know, we, we, we've done everything back to front, so we'll carry on doing everything back to front. Um, and I guess in boom times, you can kind of get away with that to an extent. But um, the next chapter that naturally follows is that obviously the dot-com crash really did hit. Um, and, and yeah, it was, it was a bit of a bloodbath for, for the entire industry, really. Um, most of the agencies just disappeared pretty much overnight. Um, and we were lucky enough to be able to, to keep going. But we definitely took a hit. We had to move out of our offices. We, we ended up moving into my apartment just because the rent was low. And, and we kind of downsized to a team that we thought we could kind of manage. Um, but that was a real stressy moment. We'd never had to let anyone go before. We never had to um, be in that situation where, you know, the environment outside was so, so full on that we had to, to really um react to that and that was a really hard thing to do to to you know it's easy to hire people it's really fun to do interviews and and find people when you've got to make people redundant that was really that was shit mm. yeah yeah and another part of that growing up um you, you know and it's just like ah okay so this is this is part of this role you know this is the stuff that you know in the heyday and, and it's all going in wind by the seat of the pants you, you don't have to really worry about that but but the chickens do come to hunch roost eventually i'm curious before you know when you're talking about these external services and people talking about business plans mm. um when someone talked to you or when people talk to you about exit strategy what yeah. what reaction did you get from that what what did that mean to you well it, it kind of seemed farcical we were so young so what, what do you mean exit strategy? We're just starting out. You, you know, what, what, what do we want to think about that for? And, and the kind of scale that they were talking about, you know, we were feeling pretty stressed by the workload and, and what we were trying to face. And they were talking about, well, you know, to get to the next level, you've got to go from 15 people to 30 people um in the next you know year two years that kind of these were the projections that we started thinking about around the board table and and um you know they were talking about projections with, with the amount of turnover we had to have the amount of projects and it just scared the bloody bejesus out of us <laughs> it didn't it wasn't exciting that was just like holy crap we don't want to do that and that's really um you know it, it didn't that that was pretty um yeah i i guess were we that hungry for, for that kind of growth? I think we we still wanted to keep it more more like our baby and, and to, you know, we could see that there are agencies around us that were much bigger. This is what you had to do to get there. But I have to say, even at the time, it didn't quite appeal. It wasn't for us. Um, so I think we, we, we just kind of just didn't quite, you know, we, we turned away at those kind of, key crossroad moments and said, no, we'll, we'll keep going. What we've done so far seems to be working. So we'll, we'll go with that. And so when, when they were proposing, all right, think about an exit strategy, what were they trying to tell you that you should be doing? 
And like, what was the exit? The well, the exit at that time was 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 uh, a nice fat sale, you know, acquisition, uh, mm. which I guess you know you've got now with 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 all the kind of startup culture. Um, so it's like, how could you grow the business as quickly as possible to look as attractive to possible? Because a lot of the big agencies, the the London, the global kind of marketing advertising agencies, who didn't have this skill in house, were buying it outright just so that they could say, we do interactive, we do digital. Um, and and so, so that was the position. Can you, can you window dress yourself um, in, in, a, in a sexy enough way to, to get acquired by one of these agencies? Um, and we'd just had our fingers burnt anyway by our own kind of merger nonsense. Um, and and so, so, yeah, we, we you know, all, whilst the signs are outside was saying all of that we, we actually kind of battened down the hatches and, and didn't do it and and in hindsight we were bloody lucky we did <laughs> if we'd have over expanded like that with people were saying get a property buy it buy it invest in a property all of this stuff and mm. several times down the line we went bloody hell if we'd have done that we would have been absolutely high and dry we would have you know we'd have had to close the doors we'd have, we'd have been gone with the, with the rest of them so there's I, I i sense there's like two mindsets there there was well, I feel, uh, and I, I feel an affinity to where you guys were at and, and the kind of thought patterns you had. You, know, you, you enjoyed the work. It was something that you you got a sense of fulfillment from that creative part of the work. And then there's this other mindset of, okay, how do we essentially paint the best picture of this business? How do we make it look good mm. so that we can then pimp it out to someone to then buy and that's like a mindset of like, okay, how can we maximize the return so that we can then get money back and then do something else? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess at that time it was kind of tempting. There was a kind of um, uh, a, a kind of ego thing about it. But because we'd had that experience earlier, we, we just, you know, we just didn't really want, we, it just didn't you know, work for us. I could see how lots of people were, were doing it and certainly people within Brighton were getting snapped up and we kind of felt like perhaps we were missing the bus. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, I, I think we like to think we were entrepreneurs, but mm. we weren't. We weren't. We, we were designers and we were problem solvers. We weren't, we weren't entrepreneurs. So, so, so that, you know, we hadn't done MBAs. We hadn't done business degrees. We hadn't, you know, come from that cloth um and so so i don't think it came as naturally to us as as perhaps others and what does that mean to you then to think like an entrepreneur or at that time what was thinking like an entrepreneur supposed to be then uh good question i think it's more about creating a really innovative business that's really attractive and at the time, you know, something that's going to be able to grow, become the unicorn, you, you know, all of that stuff. I know this is modern language, you know, in the, in the days you just, you know, it, it was about being able to come up with an innovative business that cornered a market or was able to do something really, really uh, unique, um, quick to market. Um, yeah, there was a lot of people trying to do things first um, to, to own a segment or, or a certain niche. Um, and we were still really happy, you know, in essence, the core of it is we wanted to be able to create great content that people interacted with. That was the core that, that, that was driving us, not necessarily, you know, we, I think there was just a strong invite that that's what everyone was doing. So we should be doing it, but we 
didn't quite get sucked in. And I think that's what, you know, when you're saying that, it's like, you know, you, it was all about you creating some really great interactive content and to have people enjoy that and to feed your creativity. Mm. That's when I, you know, when I, when I hear you talk like that, I think purpose because it's, yeah. it's something beyond just the money. It's there's something about delivering value that, that benefits people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and also there's something, you know, there, there, there was a very clear direction there. When I think purposeful, there's a kind of really narrow focus about where you want to spend your time. Absolutely. And so the, and I, I, there's the, these two roots then. So if, you know, I'm going to stretch this, you know, purposeful entrepreneur for mm-hmm. one of a better term. There's these mm-hmm. two roots that I saw. There's one where, okay, the, what a lot of people are doing is like, how do we grow this agency? How do we grow this business so that it at some point gets acquired because that's going mm-hmm. to be a mark of success. Mm, and, then, and there's other path, which I think you took was actually no, that a, for whatever reason, whether it was scary or wasn't just you, you know, you're taking this other path of just growing the business organically, enjoying the work, focusing on the work yeah. and the challenges that that brought on. Well, what were the, yeah, well, how, was, how did that path turn out? And, and we talked in the past uh, about hidden traps and pitfalls. Yeah, yeah, what are the no, things absolutely. Discovered? Well, I think, uh, you know, for, for us, I think there was a great deal of pride and identity wrapped up in, in that little agency. Um, you know, this is something that we created from scratch. We never took a loan. That seemed a very strange thing in those days. People, you know, we, we kind of bootstrapped it. Um, and, and that was unheard of. You know, everyone got a loan to start a business. So, so the fact that we, we were, you know, able to create a business that was profitable very early on and grow organically was, was a, you know, definitely a matter of pride for us. Um, and so we were very invested in the teams that we were hiring, the clients that we were working with, um, it, it becomes like a, 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 another part of your body or your family. We, you know, this this little entity that we've created was all encompassing. You know, it, the weekends kind of blurred into weekdays, evenings, holidays. You know, your your best mates, your business partner. Um, it just becomes very, the, the boundaries and the blur, you know, the, how you spend your time becomes very blur, um, which is great when you're 23. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> as time goes on and you start to have a family and you start to have partners and kids and things like that, where different demands start to kind of knock on the door, where physical limitations start to kick in a little bit, not a lot to start with, but all of that starts to come in. And all the while there is this um, just very natural sort of process and invite to grow the business. You know, there's no question that, of course, we want to grow, don't we? We want to earn more money. We want to bigger clients we want bigger projects we want um you know a bigger team don't we and and it was never i don't know how much we we ever even questioned that that was just the unconscious invite you know a lot of the money coaching stuff that i do now people don't stop and think well how much is enough you know how big is is big enough um and i don't think we ever really kind of 
answered that or or looked at it. It was just, well, how much can we deal with? And 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 you know, is it worth it? We're going to earn more money or 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 whatever, or get better projects that excite us more. Um, so the the natural process that comes out of that is is that with the bigger projects, with the bigger clients, with the bigger teams, you you the boundaries start to blur and, and you start to let go. You have to let go of certain functions or roles or, or, or things that you do. Um, well, I certainly did. Um, and because it was our baby, because we're very precious about it, you know, people who tend to run agencies, are, my sense is that they're, they're generally pretty nice people. They're, they're decent people. They want to look after their team they want to look after their clients they have a great sense of duty um and they're also utter control freaks <laughs> it, it, it can you know i don't know it's because we're, we're designers and there's that element of just everything being pixel perfect or because we're developers and every line of code has to be just so but there's a part of our nature that has a really strong be perfect driver in there um and so there is a there's a degree of 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 um, perfectionism and, and control over that thing, that 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 baby that we've created, that entity. Um, and so, as we're growing, the the question is, well, who's going to do what? Whose roles are what? Um, it's really interesting because for a very very long time, my partner and I shared everything, you know, and everyone found that very hard. Well, who's the MD? Who's who's, who's the COO? And all of these titles and we just didn't get it again we weren't really playing by those kind of rules we didn't understand well we just share it you know if, if i'm doing this then he'll do that we had very interconnected skills in that way um similarly if if one of us was having a shit time the other one we, we were a bit like a little seesaw outfit we could we could support each other in that kind of energetic space where if someone's having a shit time then the other one was on on the up and was able to kind of you know, nudge them into a better head, head space, that kind of thing. Um, but I guess the pitfall was that having that control freak element, having that kind of preciousness about, about the, the business, it was easier to find and hire the people who had the creative and the coding skills than it was to find people who knew how to run a business. Do the do the 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 new business leads, um, do the finance, hire and and do the HR stuff, um, and I think that was the 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 kind of um, the poison chalice really because it, you know Brighton was filling up with lots of talented people out of college, out of London, you name it, who wanted to code and design, try and find someone you could trust with the keys to the car, and that was a very different proposition. So we found ourselves in a place where we were doing all of those things that we hadn't been trained to do, didn't particularly get a great deal of joy out, but we were competent enough, we trained ourselves properly enough that we could do all of these things well. But they weren't things that really kind of lit our fires. And, and that was a bit of a kind of lobster in the pot. You didn't really notice it happening. It was very subtle and slow. Um, you know, and I can't speak for my, my partner, but that, that was my process. Um, and, and, you know, before long, I'd, I'd, I'd kind of let go of an awful lot of the creative process, which is why I set this thing up in the first place. Hmm. 
I'm curious to so that's taking a, a, a pause there mm. and say you were able to beam yourself back mm. and sit you and your business partner down mm. and have a bit of a heart to heart. What, what, say, what's the first thing that you would want to, to get both of you to talk about? It would have to have been roles. Um, and it would, it would very much been around, well, in hindsight, I know that this isn't the stuff that I, I need to be doing. There are people who we can employ who, who are good at this stuff. And we have to let go of something. We have to take the risk and trust that someone will, will take ownership of this and do a half decent job. Even if we get a few dings in the car on the way, it's worth the risk because otherwise what we're going to do is get sucked into running a business and not doing the work that we care about. And so I'm, I'm going to shift it a bit to the idea of a vision. Mm. Um, uh, and the way the reason the two reasons why I, I'm I'm interested in this um, one I remember even working with uh, an employee whether it's designer or developer mm. um, the clearer I was with a brief the more able they were to do the work and Correct. the less uh, worried I was that they would do a bad job. Or at least mm. I have a very clear benchmark mm. to measure whether they're going in the right direction or not. Mm. And the less clear I was, and the more kind of, yeah, you know, just do it uh, yeah. and get it on with it, the more likely I would f- worry about it. Mm-hmm. And B, they probably go off in the, uh, a tangent. And so I relate that to the idea of a vision. Mm-hmm. When you have a clear vision for the business, mm then I assume you can then say, okay, can you take over this bit? But this is where we're going. Mm. And there's a really lovely man in our community called Alan Wick, who's been banging our heads, myself and Lawrence's heads together, even for the happy startup school. And his thing is like, are you going to Cardiff or are you going to Newcastle? Mm. So where are you going? Mm -hmm. And the other aspect he talks about is what is the vision for yourself you and Lawrence, and what is the vision for the business? Mm. I don't know. How does that relate to where you guys were at or what you were trying to do? Uh, very much so. I think I think those would have been sage words. Um, uh, and, and whether we were able to hear them or not is, is another thing. I think it's, it's easy to give the advice. I think um, don't underestimate the amount of... Um, how, how protective you can be over your own business mm. um, and how hard it is to let go of, of the keys, as it were. And I'm not saying, you know, we're just going to let someone else take over and, and have nothing to do with it. But in hindsight, I know I needed to stay connected with my creativity and I let it go. Mm. Um, so, uh, but, I, you know, I, I can't, you know, there were, I was doing an awful lot of learning in that, running a business space mm-hmm. there was a lot there was a lot that was really fascinating and wow i've never done this thing. i've never hired people before i've never had to do all this kind of stuff um so there was a lot of you know good 
learning new stuff, but but it was at the expense of of something that was core to me, which by leaving it for too long and not nurturing it meant that I I lost an awful lot of confidence in it at the same time. Um, so so yeah, having having a, a clear vision for myself and my partner, what is it that we want out of the business for ourselves practically in terms of you know what are the outcomes and then what do we want for the business and we did get there i mean we got a clear idea it it, it took a lot of different uh, routes to to get there but we, we did get a clear idea of what it was that we wanted for us and for the business um but it, you know we, we we um had quite a lot of um fallout in the process getting there and this is interesting um so there's two aspects there. I'm curious about the fallout bit, but before mm. that, there's the um, there's what people tell you to do or you should do, and then there's the reality of actually trying to actually let go. Yeah. Um, and you talked about you know the identity with the business, the control freakery nature of designers or or creative entrepreneurs. That's how we mm. call ourselves. Mm. Um, do you have any thoughts for someone you know, and it's really easy to say it from the outside but having exper- having experienced it would there can you think of how you could have reframed where you were at and and how how, how tightly you were holding that business to then make it a little bit easier for you to let go oh yeah how to reframe it um that's a hard one uh i think because also because there's two of us I think if there's one person running a business, that possibly makes it a little bit easier. Because there's two of us, we're able to prop each other up a lot. Um, and, you know, it didn't feel like it was all on one of us. It was it was a shared responsibility. So I guess it didn't look as, as obsessive as it might have done if it had been one person. Um, and yet, I guess there's, there's something around, the word I'm thinking of is experimentation in the sense that just, you know, what we do in design is we prototype, we try things out. We're not committed to the first notion of what it might look like or how, how these things pan out. So how can we test the waters? How can we try letting go without letting go of the reins entirely? Mm-hmm. What can we do that, that's, that, that, that gets us used to the, the new stretch, the, the new environment where we're still involved, but we're not doing it all? Mm. um and i i think that that could have been useful reframe and so what springs to mind is a practical test what would you have advised yourselves to try some try out for instance um i i don't know it could have been um freelance consultant someone you know who who uh was able to do more of the strategy stuff or more of the 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 new business stuff but but give them a go under a freelance capacity then give them every project give them a few projects see how it goes put them to the test and then if something works give them a little bit more and then a little bit more and then then you start to see how how that works out it's easier said than done because you've got to find those people and and you've got to have a culture fit and all of that but i did we try hard enough? Did, did, did we, um, you know, was there, there a bit of sabotage in the back because we didn't want to let go anyway? And um, I think you said before that you did come to an idea of a vision for the business. Did I hear yeah. you correctly? Yeah, absolutely. And, and what was that? And how did you see yourself in it? And, and, and Finn, how did he see himself in it? What was that vision? 
Um, so I think it was more about saying, well, we've, we've, we've put a lot of effort and a lot of good years in, in this entity and we're very proud of it. Um, the route to the acquisition looked not only unlikely, but not very, you know, it just didn't quite sit with us. It didn't fit. Um, and it's not really, it, it hasn't been that kind of culture for a long time. The industry is not in that space. Um, there was more about finding a side project and turning the business around into doing something, doing a pivot than necessarily going. And we, we had goes at that. We, we definitely had goes at, at, at side projects and, and, and sort of that more kind of what else could we do that isn't a service industry. Um, but I think this is, it's very much in our DNA. This is what we, we do. This is how, how the agency ticks. Um, and it was in our lifeblood. So it was more about, well, how, you know, if we don't want to carry on doing this, you know, we, we, we had a certain lifespan in this, I think, you know, in terms of our energy, where we were at. Um, and and uh, so we wanted to get out into the world and start trying different things in due course. Um, so the, the natural route seemed to be, well, how can we keep this business going and hand over the reins to other people? with our DNA in it so that we know it's a good business doing good work that will continue to support other people as, as, as it, as the business continues on its journey. Mm. So it was more, more of an MBO than it was a, uh, an acquisition or a sale or, or, or a, a pivot. So what's MBO? Management buyout. Ah, okay. So build the team, get them skilled up, until the point where they're ready to take the reins um, and they get a stake in the business. So there's um, getting them skilled up enough to, I assume, also manage the business and acquire the skills that's needed yeah. to do that. And then you talk about the DNA. Mm. That The word that springs to mind is culture. Yes, absolutely. Culture, type of clients, uh, sectors that we work in, attitudes to to quality of life, how we look after our team. Yeah, so it's, it's culture and values, I guess. Hmm. And you mentioned um, earlier, you know, you were going through this process of trying to work out uh, the vision for the business and um, seeing where it was going to go. You, you mentioned the word fallout. What did that mean in terms of, uh, yeah, the fallout in terms of issues, things that fell out of the business or fallout as in relationship fallout? Uh, so I think, well, in the sense of where we'd identified a, uh, uh, our strategy and in, in what we wanted to do, our exit strategy, um, the actual process in trying to get there is, is far from smooth. Um, it's one thing sort of mapping it out and going, this is how we're going to do it. This is what we want to do and putting some kind of time frame to it. The reality is always completely different, um, you know, and and I think that that was the you know that was a sticking point for me in that it just took a lot longer um, than I wanted it to, um, and uh, and that's just because some people stay, some people don't. You know, clients come, clients go, businesses um, you know scale up and scale down, and and just quite naturally, you know based on, on the year you've had and what you're doing and the time that you've been able to commit to getting people to be those self-reliant, autonomous uh, teams that they need to be, 
takes longer. Um, and 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 for me, I I just needed to get out mm. sooner than than I need than I was willing to wait. And you talked about um, you know when you were twenty three odd when things were going when you well, when the business was doing well and you were young and you you were taking very organic and reactive approach and mm. then you mentioned something you know about you know families you start to have families other mm. start to come on board mm. and so there's there are these other um i want, don't want to use the word pressures factors mm. that then affect the vision for the way you want to work and the absolutely life. your environment is going to have such an impact and and um you know, I don't think it was a coincidence that, that, you know, my family environment changed a lot. By the time I was ready to go, our, our kids had flown the nest. We, we were kind of, we, we didn't have to worry about putting people through, you know, kids through college anymore or, or anything like that. The, the, you know, life on the other side of, of, of work seemed to open up. Uh, and, and so there, there was a kind of uh, parallel process going on there. You know, on, on what you know, so so life, the work tends to dominate your life, and then and then life seemed to open up and say, well, there's more of this potentially that that's interesting. So so it was a shift of attention, I think. And you were um, talking about things that were interesting. You were mentioning like during the business, the journey of building the business, while you were doing less creative work, you were learning interesting new things and you were curious mm. about the, the business side the hiring side the other yeah. aspects of business building yeah. it's fascinating i mean they, it, it would be very hard not to find all manner of interesting things when you're running a business because it's there's so many skills involved um you know marketing finance people uh new business client relationships networking you name it there's, there's something for everyone really um, and obviously as an entrepreneur, as, a, as someone who's running a small business, then, then you have to wear many, many hats. And some of them are going to, you know, not gel so well. And others you're going to take and think, oh, that's pretty cool. I like that. And for me, the, the, I really like the HR side, you know, um, not necessarily the, you know, the appraisals and all the icky stuff where, you know, you have to write reports on people and salary reviews but it was it was just i was i've become very fascinated in how people ticked and how people teams related um and that led down a whole nother road whilst, whilst i was there i ended up training in psychotherapy doing a whole load of group work not self-development i just found found people and community and all of that stuff fascinating um and that, that became a big, big part of what i do now a term that um a phrase that I've picked up uh over the past couple of years was the idea of entrepreneurship as a journey of self-discovery. Mm, I like that. And I uh, and it and it, it it sounds like with a lot of people, because of the challenges and the questions that come up, you you find that you learn a lot about your well, if you're enlightened, in inverted commas, maybe that's a judgment. <laughs> you learn a lot about yourself along that journey. Is that was that true for yourself? Very much so. Very much so. Um, it, you, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that 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 we we there are parallel processes going on. What happens 
in in a group of friends is what we map, is what's mapped out in our family of origin. We, we we place people in these things. What happens at work is what's happening in at home, but in a different way. Um, so so yeah, the the more self aware you can be in these processes, the more sort of self reflection that can go on. The less likely you're just going to you, you know just act out of awareness you, you're going to be able to spot the patterns and start to see the things that really fire you up and really engage you the things that that, that um, really aren't your bag but also you know it, it helps you spot opportunities as well and um we talked about traps and pitfalls mm-hmm. and there's kind of the challenges of the, in the broader environment you know socioeconomics and industries going up and down and and the mechanics of running a business what about um any traps and pitfalls i think we touched on it slightly but what's the biggest trap or pitfall that you perceive at a personal level that you'd say a founder might fall into without seeing um not letting go I think that's got to be it. It's 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 being the control freak. It's 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 you know imagining that only you can do it as well as you can because it's your business and no one else cares as much as you do. And where do you think that comes from? That not letting go, that need to control. I, I, it, I, I, it for me, it feels very parental. It feels very um, protective. It's a space of. Well, obviously, you know, let's not forget the business that we've created is also our source of security or or income. Um, So so you really don't want to shoot the the golden goose, as it were. Um, But there's more to it. You know, there's there's an awful lot of unconscious emotional stuff wrapped up in there. Um, And uh, yeah, letting any old so-and-so come along and date your daughter is is not that easy sometimes <laughs> you know you've got you you've got to find out who they are and, and let them go maybe you'll never quite be able to relax knowing that you know your daughter's growing up and and you know i think finn had a picture of a, a you know sitting on a rocker like an old hillbilly with, with, with a crocodile pet beside him and a, and, a, and a rifle on his on his lap kind of waiting for for the young suitors to come along and i do mean daughters not business but, you know, <laughs> so it's a good picture and and i can see that kind of sense of you know it's very easy to be ever so protective and, and precious about this entity but you know you, you you've got to crack a few eggs make mistakes try things out experiment to 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 move forward but uh, yeah let let go try it out let other people have have goes you can't do it all yourself um i was on a webinar a few weeks ago around the idea of inner work and leadership mm-hmm. the phrase that came up in that webinar was um the organizations we create bear the scars of our founders mm-hmm. and the, whether it's the culture, the size that the business eventually becomes the, the, the lack or the, the, the lack of control or too much control. I think the principle is, is um, comes from, the unconscious beliefs of the founder. Yes. I don't know if that. 
I can I think that that that's fair enough, isn't it? That that makes a lot of sense that that um you know, much like a family and, and parents, these these um traits, these behaviors, these isms that, that we'll all, all maybe even unconsciously find ourselves doing can't help but but rub off on the people around us, especially if they're impressionable or reliant on on you in any shape or form, that's likely to to cause some type of imprint and and shape behavior um, and very much culture so that yeah i can agree with that that makes sense um and while you know we where we get to in life and where we get to in business um we get to where we get to and the paths we follow are the paths we needed to follow if you were going to start it all over again yeah I don't want to say, you know, this is a classic thing, oh, what would you do differently? And it's not so much that. It's like, is there, is there a different, or are there slightly different terms? And you talked about control, but in terms of how the business would have, the direction the business went and could have gone, are there things that you you could see trying to think of the best way to say this without saying what would you do differently i don't know does it do you see where i'm trying to go with this it's like there's an awareness of what where you've got to and how you got there mm. how could the road have been less bumpy maybe or how could it have how could a business have turned out in a way that the could have served you better in the longer term I, I don't know if, if we have shelf lives in roles in businesses and whether we should just hit eject buttons sooner. Um, you know, we, my work here is done. I do not need to keep milking this or carrying it on. You know, let's move on. I think I've gone to pastures new far earlier mm. and, and that sense of attachment and place in the world. This is what I do. This is how I work. This is what people know me for was, was, was was far larger than now in hindsight i see was was important you know um so i think i could have let go a lot sooner um and and our roles get very wrapped up in that so so in hindsight i think i would have been very happy to not be the the boss of things i would have been very happy to let someone else do it especially my other partner if if that's what he wanted you know and you know, I, th I think we got very used to this kind of sharing the role and the baton and, 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 and the weight. But I think perhaps we'd have been more decisive and clearer. And, um, you know, there, there were lots of benefits of sharing, sharing the, the mantle. But, you know, doing with a sense of direction, I think had there been one person at Hello rather than two, that would have made a, quite a difference in the outcome. Still a good business, but but I think we could have got there a bit sooner. Yeah, maybe it's less about how could have the business change or what have you done differently with the business. I think you you know the way you answered that probably clarified the question uh, or made me think of how to better pose the question. Is like how could have the how could have the business served your needs better? Um, okay, and how could mm. you have served your needs better within the business? Yeah. So, so for me, you know, a business, you know, I, I remember someone very early on in the days 
saying that, you know, the business is really just a vehicle. It's like a taxi. It gets you from A to B. That's, that's all it is. It's this vessel that, that, you know, you point in the right direction and it'll get you there um, with the people you want along for the ride. Um, and that kind of holds true. It's just, you know, who do you want in the vehicle and what kind of journey do you want and, and what's your destination? Um, I don't think I needed to be driving as much. Hmm. That's the reality. I, I, uh, I don't see the need, you know, the need to be a leader to, to run the shows is far less in me now. Um, and I think I would have been far happier had I just sort of remained as a designer and had had a say in, in key decisions, always being part of that DNA and, and, and shaping teams and things, but I didn't have to be running the show. I like the ta- taxi analogy actually, because mm. I think of, okay, uh, if you're going to East London and I need to go to West London, yeah. <laughs> Maybe at what point are you going to get off? Especially if you're both holding the bloody steering. Yeah, or even if you'd like telling the cab guys, like, all right, (laughs) take me, (laughs) (laughs) take me to Acton. No, I want to (laughs) go somewhere else. Yeah, it it can it can get quite quite frustrating. And so, so I think that's the natural journey. I think no one really wanted to have the ego to say, no, this is, let me take the reins. Let me do this. This is my job. You get mm. on with that. You know, we, we, it, it, I think it, in, in a way it was a, a, a sense of duty and shared responsibility, not, not to put anyone else in the firing line and have to hold it. But at the same time, it was um, probably a bit of an ego thing too. I wonder also if there's something around a clarity a real strong clarity as to where I want to be and where I want to get something. Yeah. I I don't really remember having very, very clear ideas around that. I'm not sure if I even really do now, you know, it's a really hard one. I think I know everyone says it's, it's, you know, how many of us actually do have a really clear idea of where we want to be. Mm. Um, whether we're running a business or a freelance or, or, or even retired, you, you know, that's, that's a tough question to ask and, and have an answer to, especially because it's probably going to change often. I was going to say that um, you have s- some tools that you've developed to help with it. <laughs> <that. laughs> yeah. So is that so I'm not so sure that's about destination that's more about journey again okay um so Maybe in, the, in the process of me mm-hmm. yeah so so um yeah so so when I left the business I think one of the biggest scariest things is is that that after 25 years or whatever it was being in that it's very easy to become very defined by a role and, and to believe that that's all I know. That's certainly what I believed at the time. Um, I was defined by, by what I did, you know, or I'd been doing something for 20 odd years and, and, and now I, I didn't want to do that, but what else could it be? And every time you come up with something, well, I could do a business doing this. I could set up a startup doing that. And it felt like there were a hundred steps before I could even get going. I'll get a job in this. Oh, you need to get this qualification or you need to, to go for interview, all of this stuff. It felt like doors were shutting before an idea even got a glimmer of, of light. 
Um, and, and the notion of asking a very different question, which was just a tiny little shift in, in, in um, reframing, really. But it, it was just, well, if you don't know what you want to do, what, how do you want to spend your time? Mm. And there's something, there's a different quality about that question that for me really resonated. Um, and it felt like there was a lot of permission in it because everyone knows how they like to spend their time. And if you, if, you, if you can just switch off the judgment, it doesn't matter whether it's watching Netflix, sitting in a hot tub, or, or, or drawing, going for walks. It, it, it doesn't matter. Whatever fills your boots, get it down on a piece of paper and map it out. Um, and, and so from, from feeling very frustrated that there was no one thing that I wanted to pursue, suddenly I had, had a massive page full of things that, that any of them would, would, would make my day. Um, and interestingly, a number of those things, actually, when you looked at them as with a designer's eye, started to, to collate into patterns and, and categories and, and things like that. So, so out of that came, came uh, a, a little sort of side project, which was a, a sort of based on design techniques, card sorting, where, where we get to start to, to look at how we want to spend our time and maybe the things... Get a, get a snapshot of the things that we're doing too much of and the things that perhaps we've let go of, the things that we've forgotten, whether it's model making as a kid or, or just being able to jump in a puddle. It doesn't really matter. These core things that perhaps you've let go of and, and forgotten an element of yourself. And um, to reconnect and to see what happens when you reconnect with those. That kind of, that seam of what looks like a spontaneous accident, which is actually really just everything working your way because you're opening up and 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 creating opportunity that wasn't there before because you hadn't looked at it for a long time. So that that that's what the cards are about, really. And uh, so the thing that springs up to me is it's kind of rather than looking at goals and objectives and where you need to be, it. It sounds like what what gives your life meaning. Yeah, it gives what gives you meaning and and genuine just pleasure. You, you know, pleasure and, and pleasure can come from all different different ways. You can you can really enjoy being stretched and doing things that are out of your comfort zone. You know, whether it's learning or or doing something that, that's physically different. But but they're all things that that perhaps if you spend time in that it can become a skill, it can become a pastime, it can become anything you want it to be. It's just about how much time and energy you spend in it. And, and it's as important to find out the bits that you've been ignoring, the stuff that you haven't connected with, and the stuff that you've been over overemphasizing. Have I been worrying too much about money? Have I been worrying too much about my health or my family and, and not enough about other stuff? So it's taking a snapshot, accounting for where you're at, and then saying, well, how do I want this to look? And just using simple movement of cards, understanding what these these kind of core categories mean to you, you can start to what I'd call design your life. You know, actually be able to shape things. We are in more in more control than we imagine, and um, and having the permission to just be a bit playful and a bit creative in what is essentially the ultimate problem, which is our lives. You know, which are constantly changing. There's no solution because it's in constant flux. There is no solution. There is no goal, you know, other than ultimate, you know, end of day. So, so what do you want to make of it? How do 
you want to spend your time and and i don't think it's a question we ask ourselves enough no and i think that that the challenge is always uh, particularly if you run your own business you're always in doing mode and you rarely pause to see where have you lost a bit of balance and i think that's what and I, you know, I've experienced the cards with you, and that—that's the beauty, I think, of what what it does. It brings it into stark relief. Things that you mm. don't, things that are in front of your nose, but you just don't see because you're looking beyond that. We all discount many things uh, without necessarily knowing it. You know, we we'll, we'll compensate. We'll we'll focus on the stuff we feel we need to, and stuff drops off the radar. Um, so it's always helpful to, to to be reminded of that and 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 see how we can just touch it back into to connection. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Rob. That was that was a fascinating conversation and and a lovely picture of a journey. Thank you. Um, Please do you enjoy the ride. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this Happy Startup School podcast. We're on a mission to help purpose-driven entrepreneurs and individuals find more alignment between what they believe and the work they do. Because for us, happiness is when what you think, say and do are all aligned. Happiness isn't just a passive feeling, but an active way of living, which isn't always easy, but when it's done right, can be effortless. We're on a mission to help you find happiness by providing tools, courses and community that inspires you to follow the journey of building a happy startup. This will require finding out more about yourself as well as learning how to build a purposeful business. If you're excited by this, then please rate and subscribe to this podcast on your preferred platform and then go to our website, thehappystartupschool.com. You can also read our blog at ahappy.link forward slash read.